Welcome to Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between, the podcast from Bespoke Family. I'm Bex. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us as we tackle the ups and downs of life with children, helping you to get the best out of your time together. No rules, no judgment, just guidance. So grab a cuppa and let's get started with today's episode. So welcome to this episode of Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between and we are absolutely delighted to have Catherine Ryan join us today. Hello Catherine. Hey girls, thank you so much for having me on. Oh not at all and thanks so much for agreeing to come on as well and we're going to be talking to you all about potty training but oh, no. more specifically <laughs> again you've got to talk about it again um, more specifically um, elimination communication which I think probably I mean before I'd kind of heard what you did with your children I was completely unaware of what elimination communication was because I am not a childcare expert like Claire. Um, I just have children and have potty trained them. Um, And so it'd be great if you could just maybe explain what it is and how you first heard of it. That would be helpful, I think. Sure. Well, like you, Bex, I didn't have any background in childcare. Uh, I just had my own daughter. I didn't know what elimination communication was. I was just alone with an infant a lot, and I parented based on instinct. I never went to any NCT meetings. I didn't do any of that. And I just looked at her and I thought, a young woman's anatomy doesn't really lend itself to having breast milk poo that close to your urethra in a nappy. Do you know what I mean? It just seems gross. Like, can you imagine sitting in that yourself? And I think I always parented based on what I would want for me if I were the baby. And I just thought, I don't think that I would want to poo, like sat in a chair or... So when she was very small, I would just take her nappy off when I could tell she needed to go. I mean, not in the first few days of explosive breast milk poo, but very early, maybe two, three months. And she would prefer... She just instinctively went when her nappy was off. And the more uh, core strength she got, I would sit her on a potty and Violet is 14 now, but she was my youngest potty trained. She was fully out of nappies, even at night at about 10, 11 months. Wow. wow. So I think it just begins with noticing a look on their face and noticing their routine and when they need to go. And for me, the crux of elimination communication, because eventually they learn to sign and they can tell you when they need to go. But in the beginning, it's just leapfrogging that stage where most of us in Western culture train babies to go in a nappy. People say they're too young to be trained. Well, by leaving them in a nappy, you are training them Mm -hmm. that this is where we and poo goes. So I just avoided that. Nappies were just a fail safe in my house. So you kind of just skipped that. It's funny, actually, because I said to Claire in our first potty training episode, and she completely was like, what are you, what room are you going down here? But I said to her, if you were a child raised by wolves, would you just follow what they did and go where, you know, you'd go when you went and you'd go in the place that smelled, I suppose. I mean, obviously that did kind of, wasn't really what we were we were aiming for with that podcast, I have to no. say, but anyway. It was a, it was a very <laughs> weird and wonderful moment. It's a niche, a niche yes. audience yes. are yeah. wolves. Yeah. Yes. I don't know how many wolf listeners <laughs> However, it's kind of like, the thing is, it's a natural thing, isn't it? That's kind yeah. of what we're saying. It's a natural thing. And actually, do they really need, 
that like you say you skip you why do you need a nappy is that what that's kind of where you come from well I think that I have a toddler now Fred is two and a half and Fena is very headstrong and she's just turned one already she is quite stubborn she's a thug because she has an older brother a lot of us can relate to that I'm sure um if I changed an instruction now I don't believe that either of them would follow it I think that if you wait until, I don't know what the normal potty training is, 18 months. If you wait until then and you go, so you've always worn a nappy and we've just let you, whether we know you're doing it or not, we just let you poo yourself at the breakfast table. We're actually going to change that now. And what you need to do is stop doing that. We're going to take it off and sit on this chair. I know you have very little patience and you're 18 months. This is, I think that that a lot of parents encounter a pushback from a very headstrong toddler And so my children very happily sit on a potty only because that's always what they've done. And that's what I mean by skipping the stage of nappies. Sure, I'll put them in a nappy, especially in the winter when we go out and they're seven months old. But I have a potty in the boot or under the buggy in the carrier basket. And I will routinely take the nappy off and offer them the toilet. And it seems like a lot more work to people. And I know that people use childcare and it's not sustainable for a lot of families, but I think that if all of us did it, for example, it takes a nursery worker time to change nappies. They have a safeguarding process. They've got to wash their hands and they're only with one child when they're changing a nappy, presumably. I don't really understand why a nursery, the same as the children nap together and eat together, can't have a room with 10 potties in it where they go, all right, now we're all gonna go and sit on a potty and read a story and see what happens. And it's just offering the potty very young. I don't think that you're forcing them to use it or you're punishing them if they have an accident. There are no accidents. It's just always making a potty available and then gradually transitioning out of nappies because that's, you know, a human doesn't naturally want to be dirty and wet. When you did it with Violet, and Violet's, what, 14 now? Yeah. What were people's reactions to... You I mean, because it? it is quite a niche thing, like not many think, people do it. So I think that more people are doing it now with yeah. online resources. And um, certainly I get messages all the time from people who are successfully doing it. I haven't received one message from anyone who said, I tried and now my child is eight years old and they've regressed. And, blah, you know, I haven't heard any of these horror stories that you read about. I know... Um, There are a few articles out there that say not to do it too early. Most of these articles are one article written by um, a urologist called Stephen Hughes. And he also sells courses on bedwetting and he sells things. So, I mean, I'm not selling anything. Uh, People (laughs) in my neighborhood were, I think, impressed. I don't know. I think the mums, I had Violet in Crouch End when I was 24 or 25 years old. Just turned 25, I think. And I think the moms just thought I was weird anyway, but certainly because she's a summer baby, I'd be pushing around in the Bugaboo Bee, 12 months old in the summer. And I remember she had little skirts on and little baby clothes with little underpants or little bloomers. And she'd have her feet in her hands and moms would stop me and they would say, oh, you're that girl. You're that woman who's potty trained the baby. I didn't believe it, but I could see she's wearing underwear. And I'd be like, yes, 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 it's me. And I, I loved it. There was a smugness about it that I don't have now. I think now I've removed the smugness because now I understand how sensitive different forms of parenting are and how 
pushed a lot of mothers are and how stressed they feel and how defensive they feel about how they do it. So I'm a lot less smug now because I know that it's really hard for people and I don't want them to feel judged or pressured by what I'm doing. I think with the kind of elimination communication initially it is about I I know loads of parents have said you've just got to sit there and watch them and then they make a face and then you have to put them on the potty and they're like how can we sit and watch our baby all day and it's like actually that isn't how it is that isn't necessarily you know your child's going to poo at certain times of the day potentially and you start to see that routine and you see that natural and that they're not going to wee continually through the day. They no, will. like a penguin. Yeah, <laughs> that is what it feels like, though. It does yeah. feel like they wee continually, and that's like having. I had twins, and I have still got twins. I mean, I mean forget it. No <laughs> one's expecting you to do anything but survive. <laughs> well, that's good because um, because I kind of think how many nappies we went through, and I just yeah. think I just couldn't have done it. But but then maybe I could. No, I, I think here's what I would do if I had twins and I don't have twins, but I do have Irish twins, 18 months apart, almost Irish twins yeah. is, um, we go to the potty together. We make it part of our routine. They will reliably go as soon as they wake up. So I have a normal toilet with a potty seat that Fred now goes on cause he's two and a half. It's got little steps and everything. It's adorable. And it's my goal potty. I hope to fit on it one day. And, um, <laughs> Some people have a gold dress. You know, I just want to be using Fred's potty seat. Um, and then I have a smaller potty. We have potties in every in every washroom in our house, every toilet. But Fenna sits on that, and I just read a story. And they both reliably go. And I think that if they were very small and they weren't yet potty trained, which they both are, I would just um, put the nappies back on my twins after that and carry on throughout the day. And then when I was doing this or doing that or making a meal, if I had another moment an hour and a half or two hours later I'd say shall we go to the potty again everyone and read a story I put both of them on the potty I think it's a misconception uh to assume that they're not in nappies the rest of the time you can use a nappy as a fail safe but often that nappy will be dry all day if you continue to offer the potty and you again you don't punish yourself or your children for an accident it's not naughty to go in the nappy it's just about recognizing, oh, you need a pee-pee. Well, let's sit on the potty again. I mean, I don't know. It might be a disaster with twins. And I actually thought it might be a disaster with Fred because he's a boy. And Mm -hmm. I thought maybe Violet was a genius, but Fred was potty trained at 12 months and now Fenna's 13 months and she's potty trained as well. Though both of them wear a nappy at night as a fail safe because they still drink. And you know, I do things wrong as well. Fred still takes a bottle of milk. He's two and a half. What's going on with his teeth? It's very, very dangerous. I know that. But it does mean that sometimes he'll wee at night in his nappy. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. But boys are harder. I mean, I I think, well, I found my boy was much harder than my girl. Um, Generally or with the potty? Well, let's hope he doesn't listen to this, but generally. (laughs) (laughs) And ongoing at age 17. Oh, no. Um, yeah, but I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I think even just when they were potty trained, just them having like the mess and the, I mean, that's what I think people are frightened of, isn't it? You know, the whole kind of they're going to pee and poo everywhere and it's just going to be a nightmare because all I'm going to do is clean up. I mean, I think famously you've spoken about Fred doing a poo um, in departures at Heathrow. Was Customs, yeah. But I feel that that was a political protest. <laughs> 
um, Fred had an important message about welcoming (laughs) asylum seekers. And (laughs) Suella Braverman (laughs) took notice that day. No, he... um, he ha- it was weird because he hadn't had any accidents. My children have had no poo accidents, really. I feel like poo is the easiest one. And they always go in the morning. And yeah, I would keep nappies off, especially in the summer. And there'd be a few wheeze here and there. But it wasn't a big deal. And if you're worried about that, like I said, you keep a nappy on them, but you still offer the potty. Yeah. And they just learn to go on the potty. They'd prefer to go on the potty. But Fred was very specifically against going in an airline in an airplane toilet. I think because it's so loud on the airplane, he was afraid. And we'd been traveling and he was a bit jet lagged and he hadn't gone in the hotel in the morning and we knew we had a nightmare on our hands uh, because we thought, oh gosh, if Fred hasn't gone now, we're in a car, three hours in the car and then in the airport lounge and then on the plane and we were delayed, he just wouldn't go. And he decided to go queuing in customs and that, you know, there were people probably looking at me, scraping poo off the floor, thinking that is a small child. Why doesn't he have a nappy on? <laughs> Isn't that that woman who talks about elimination communication all the time? What is it going looks on? It's really successful. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a real special case. But you know what? If I'd had a nappy on Fred on the plane, I don't think he would have gone in a nappy either because he'd be like, well, what's he, you know, we just, we don't travel, I think, ever with kids. That's probably the best advice, I think, yeah. Regardless. Pull-ups must be helpful then, are they? You know, you know the pull-up nappies that you can get down pretty easily rather than having um, yeah. ones that you have to actually take off. I mean, I suppose that might be a... That's right. We a... had pull-ups for a while with Fred. But again, no matter what, he's not the kind of gentleman who would have liked to do a poo in his pants or in an airplane toilet, or anywhere, you know? He went in customs because he was absolutely desperate. But, um, yeah. It was a highlight, a parenting highlight when you have that whole, when, yeah, you have to clear up poo. But then even if you're potty training a child at two, two and a half, three, you're still gonna potentially have to deal with those situations. We were in Clark's and that happened. Oh no. Trying on school shoes, that was a moment. (laughs) (laughs) when you're like oh no why have you done that but even when you've you've got nappies on poo can leak out can't it i mean you know that's happened plenty of times to us well i just think that nothing's perfect and it's not going to be linear potty training at any age you're going to have some accidents for sure but i think that what i've always done with my children is i've always tried to put myself in their shoes and i've thought if i was afraid at night and i was crying I don't think I would want to just be taught the lesson that no one is coming for me. I think I would like to, if I could, have my mother or my caregiver, someone, my father, my babysitter, someone there. Um, I know that that's not possible for everyone, and I feel like the best thing that a child can have is a peaceful caregiver. So if you need to sleep in another room and you need that seven, eight hours, just take it. Similarly, I wouldn't want a stranger changing my nappy. I wouldn't want to sit in mess. Like, I just wouldn't want that. So, you know, I, I'm not going to be completely successful with all of these things. I just think it's odd to me that a lot of other parents, uh, maybe it's a British thing. They just don't think outside the box. They go, well, this is what's done. I've never thought of it a different way. You don't potty train till two. My grandmother told me that I've got to do this and do that. And I just, um, I think just in my personality, I never read any books or took any advice or did anything other than what I instinctively felt I would want done for me 
as a baby and Violet, I'm so lucky I have a teenager because if I was doing this with these small babies now, people would go, we'll see how that works out. These babies are going to have loads of Freudian, like anal issues. (laughs) Um, But I also have a pretty well-adjusted, very polite, always happy, body confident teenager. So, I mean, I think she's proof that what I'm doing isn't completely nuts. Do you think you've changed? Because like 14 years ago, social media and all of those sorts of things weren't Mm -hmm. anything like they are now. Do you think you've changed how you've parented Fred and Fenner to Violet because of that change and the fact there's so much more out there? Or do you think you've very much still stuck with being that instinctive parenting style? I think there's a lot more information available now. Uh, I'm pretty good at taking what's relevant to me and throwing away the rest. The biggest change in my parenting now isn't influences from social media, but I'm married now and I have to actually consider someone else's opinion and convince him of my wild and wacky ways. And Bobby and I clash on a lot of parenting issues. Um, He's been pretty amenable The potty training blew him away. He couldn't believe that it worked, but he agreed with me that it made sense. And I say to him all the time, like, if you, you know, just in the middle of lunch somewhere at any moment, I might say to him, you're lucky I'm your wife. If you had a different wife, he could have poo in his nappy now. And we'd have to take turns trying to hover over a baby change station in a public restroom, changing poo out of this baby's nappy. And he goes, yeah, I know, I'm very lucky. Um... (laughs) But Bobby is such a gentle, gentle parent, whereas I don't believe that a two and a half year old should be throwing cars at me and talking to me sideways. I think two and a half is old enough to show me some respect and to communicate with language. And Bobby's like, but he's only a baby. And so I'm a little bit of the bad cop on a lot of these things. Also, Fred really only wants to eat pasta and Bobby facilitates that for Fred and Fred wants bottles of milk. And I think if it were just me, I might have been a little bit meaner and cut those out, but Bobby's such a wonderful, like kind, soft dad. And then packets, Bobby's fine with packets and I don't, I don't do packets. So we clash on that as well. I mean, these are the influences I think that are that are the most difficult. But no, I like social media. I think it's great mm-hmm. to just see how everyone else is doing things. Yeah. So how do you and Bobby then like bring that together? If he's doing one thing and you like, how do you kind of decide? We're pretty good. Yeah, we don't we don't quarrel at all. Like we're not arousing family whatsoever. I think we choose our battles. And that again is because we're 40. Um, I think that if Bobby and I were 25 with two small kids, we might be a little bit different story, different. Yeah. yeah. I think there, there are swings and roundabouts with being a geriatric parent. Um, (laughs) I don't have the energy now to, I know I don't have the energy to argue. Um, I think that we're really good at seeing sense. So the potty training was super easy. Bobby said, if you believe in that, do it. And then the co-sleeping, again, neither of us had the stomach to let the babies cry it out as it's called. And I know there are variations of that that aren't as mean as they sound. And there's there's gentle, controlled crying and all these other things. But we also have the luxury of being flexible in our work schedules and we're home a lot of the time. But with packets, I've chosen to look the other way. So sometimes Fred will be fed at two and a half 
a packet of Ella's chicken casserole, not trying to get it sent to me for free. It's disgusting looking. And um, I can't watch. Like, I feel sick in my mouth when I see that. And that's just me. And I've decided, like, what's more important for my children to be fed a variety of fresh whole foods or to have parents who are harmonious and not divorced. All right. So I'm going to look at the floor or go into another room when Fred's being fed a Caribbean chicken packet. Fine. <laughs> Sounds delightful. <laughs> and you know what? He really does love it. Probably he loves does. it. It's, it's one of his favorites. Bobby likes to give it to him. I mean, he keeps growing. I'm sure it's fine. So we all have our little things. I think a lot of people can learn from what you're saying about the instinctive parenting, though. I Mm. know that for me, I could not do that. I read all the books and the children had to do what the book said. And if they didn't, I was like a complete mess. You know, and actually, yeah, and that's so much pressure. So Mm. speaking to you about that, I think a lot of people can learn from that, that actually it's going to make you a better parent if you actually just are trusting yourself. Because if you don't trust yourself, then you're in a right old state and the children haven't read the books. You know, they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. What would you do then when the books contradicted each other? Did that ever happen? Well, they did. Um, and I kind of just went with the latest one that I'd read. <laughs> so it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't very consistent. And when I got to um, the Gina Ford twins method, and oh. I started having to do that to myself, I mean, that was horrific. And I think that was when I turned around to myself and said, this is ridiculous. These children cannot follow this regime anymore. And th- mm. and I think that kind of gave me a little bit. But, you know, that's quite late on. And it is... it. A lot of parents do really struggle, I think, with like all the social media, because there's so many different things. You know, like we've got, we're just talking about a different way to potty train as well. So they might be going, oh my goodness, I'm going to, you know, shall I try this? Yeah. And then, and then it doesn't work. And then they try something else. And that's so stressful. It is. And we're all different. You know, that there are people you click with and people you don't, and you've worked with people who are a little bit, you know, different. And we talk mm-hmm. all the time in our culture about neurodivergence and we're so accepting of differences, but for some reason, not for our children, we expect a lot of us expect our babies to fit into this category and to follow this routine. And it will work for some babies. (laughs) Gina Ford has probably saved so many marriages, but um, not for everyone. So I feel like maybe it just helps that I'm weird. I'm a strange person. I get that. I've always been a little bit outside the box, which is why I'm in, comedy and I've anticipated all right I'm gonna have children who are a little bit different too and they will be able to do certain things and they won't um but I really believe that at the end of the day all, what every child needs is a peaceful caregiver so if you need to and this is so important I don't want people to feel judged by me to look at me and to be like you have a nanny and a stay-at-home husband shut up I <laughs> I feel like they just need a peaceful caregiver so whatever you need to do If you want to put them in nappies all the time, fine. If you want to send them to nursery full time, fine. If you want a maternity nurse, great. If you, you know, it doesn't matter. If you want to take 10 holidays a year, I don't care. If you want to quit your job and stay home full time, it doesn't make you not a feminist. You know, like, it's like, do whatever you need to do, especially when you have twins. I would have been doing meth. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, that was an option I missed. Yeah. I'd have been like, how can I mix teething granules and cowpool to make meth? Yeah, yeah. That was a really, that's a good tip. We'll, we'll pass that one yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> but you must be meeting loads of different types of families at the moment in your new, yeah. new program that you're doing. Yeah. So I'm doing a new program on WTV, the W Network, and also UK TV Play. You can watch it for free on their app. All the episodes are available. Um, where I meet families who do exactly what I'm doing is they instinctively, intuitively parent outside the box. They don't follow any rules. Mm-hmm. I've met unschooling families, which is a little bit like homeschool, but there isn't even a curriculum. So it's even less structured wow. than homeschool. Yeah, these kids just basically play in the forest, but somehow they can read and write. And that was illuminating because I thought, oh, we sort of take it for granted that we should educate children in batches based on date of production and institutionalize them in a school system that was really created during the industrial revolution so the rest of us could go to work like does that make sense when they're all going to grow up to be tiktok influencers i don't know (laughs) um and then i met a family that is yes unfortunately what they aspire to and you know what it's what i aspire to as well because television is on the wane and i I'm told by my teenager that I am a boomer and a Karen. So how am I going to figure out the latest TikTok trends and stay relevant? I'm not sure. (laughs) She will help you. She won't. No, she's not industrious enough. I've asked her. I've offered her work being like, tell me what's cool. (laughs) And she's just like, you don't, you will never be cool because you're mum. And that's just, they don't go together. I've been called by my husband, um, a term you might have heard of the devouring mother which has different definitions. It was originally, I think, Freudian, and it was a really bad thing. And then it's been co-opted different ways. But basically, it means that I've indulged my children out of their own competency, specifically Violet, because I love her and I want her to always be reliant on me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think I have done that. I couldn't argue, really. I've created a situation where she won't go on holiday with any, like, teenage boy Ryan Air to Ibiza to stay in a two-star hotel, you know, because I've really spoiled her. And so hopefully she'll, funny. she'll avoid. I was looking with my daughter and her friend at holidays um, yeah. because they're nearly 18 and they were going to go on holiday oh, together. God. And I'm like, awful. but then they're like, so what about this one? That's like 300. And I'm like, no. And then they're like, no, actually you're right. We do need a spa and we need to be, <laughs> we need like all inclusive and this, yeah, well, that and the other. And they're like, yes, we do. Wasn't so it? Like, I th- should we go to Santorini? I was like, oh, yeah, hold on that, a second yeah. guys. Santorini. Like you're, you're 18. You need to be going to like places that are not Santorini. Like in a caravan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I'm with you on that. Yeah. The whole kind of the teenagers know you do want them to be reliant on you forever and you don't want them to go off and no. I do and I don't and I just think it's such a different world now you mentioned social media earlier Claire it's like everything that they do is published and catalogued and photographed and recorded and we made a joke of that when I moved to this country Big Brother was a fun hit show <laughs> and that really is what life has become for them and we had the luxury of making mistakes Mm -hmm. and those mistakes were invisible and forgotten very quickly mostly because we were drunk on wkds (laughs) Um, the sugar don't remind us now the blue oh i know still available 
I've still yeah. seen them in shops. Yeah. Um, so I met a variety of families. I even met a naturist family who encouraged body positivity by being part of, I suppose, a nudist colony. Wow. And they were there even with their daughter, who was 22. But there were children there as well. Wow. And I learned about how a lot of people conflate naturism with, you know, something sexual. It's not like a swingers resort or anything. They're quite rigorous in who's a member and who's not. And it can be just about accepting your body and this is me. And I want to learn about body positivity for my children and different types of schooling. I met a family who are very regimented and they have a lot of control over their children. They're in a, a band, a family band. They don't allow even their 17-year-old son to have Snapchat. It was wow. interesting. Wow. Mm -hmm. It is hard, isn't it, with the body positivity thing? Because you do find yourself saying, oh, no, I really shouldn't eat that. And I get my daughter looking at me saying, why are you saying that? Why I'm 17. Oh. Why are you saying that in front of me? And, and I think that that's really good and positive that she does say that. But then you're like, yeah. actually, you're right. I really shouldn't be saying that because I need to be able to kind of. But, yeah, it's hard, I think. Again, good for parent. her. Yeah. Isn't it nice to have this young, woke generation reminding you of how far women have come? It really is. Mm -hmm. But then my answer, I suppose, would be, well, darling, I shouldn't be eating that because I'm 40 and my metabolism has slowed to a grinding halt. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> You're young and growing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Enjoy it while you can. Absolutely. I need to save yeah. my calories for wine, darling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... I think if it, well, actually there's two questions. The first one, which is one which Claire um, suggested that we ask you was, have you ever questioned um, your decision to do elimination communication when your children have had a bug or something <laughs> like that? All oh. of a sudden it's everywhere. No, I mean, it's never been everywhere. It really hasn't. Oh, there okay. was the customs airport incident and that was a one-off. Um, I feel like you just use common sense. If my children had a bug, um, which I don't think you can get from packets of Caribbean chicken because it's not real food. Uh, <laughs> do you know what? I'm going to get a cease and desist letter. I don't really want to be slagging off packets. I know. Like, I don't no. mind. I'm just really roasting my husband. I There's think a place for them, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah. You feed yeah. your children whatever you want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have not had any disasters like that, but I think you use your common sense. If one of my children could not control their bowels for some reason, and I even hasten to use the word control because I'm not asking them to hold it. I'm never asking them to hold it. I'm just providing opportunities for them throughout the day to go on the loo, and that seems to be sufficient. But I would whack a nappy on them if I had to, or if they were really sick, I think I would, luckily, because I have flexibility, I'd be able to cancel work or instruct my husband or their babysitter to be on the potty with them a lot. I mean, there was a day that Fena had to go quite often, but I would just offer the potty like really often and she would always go. I mean, I can't explain how easy it's been. Uh, I think people who are used to nappies anticipate that there'll be all these problems and it's amazing how they instill instinctively just go you offer them the potty if you think about yourself would you rather go on the toilet and be offered the toilet a lot if you didn't feel well or would you rather someone stick a nappy on you and sort of leave you to your own devices like my children anyway 
very easily just transitioned out of nappies and they always wanted to use the toilet and accidents are never punished. And I just, I saw a video the other day, a load of people sent it to me actually. And it made me really sad. I do, I seem like a mean person because I do roast comedy and I'm on panel shows and things. Um, and I slag off, you know, the government and most men and dads, but, um, I'm joking. And in real life, I have so much empathy and I want people to feel that they have autonomy and they can communicate and they're looked after really well. And there was a boy who definitely was about four and it was this funny, it was framed as a funny chat with his dad and his American dad was like, where do we go poo poo? And he was like, in my pants. And he was like, no, we go poo poo on the potty. And the little boy was like, no daddy, I go poo poo in my pants. And they were having this discussion again about changing what the little boy had been taught uh, through wearing an appy all the time that he's meant to poo in his pants. And I just thought, oh, this little boy's so funny and he's so clever and he's so with it. And anyone, a nursery, a parent, a babysitter, anyone could have offered him the potty earlier and he wouldn't be sat here feeling really confused. Like, what is my dad talking about? Why does my dad not want me to go in my pants anymore? And I thought about the times that this boy would have had to wait maybe 10 minutes or 30 minutes with poo in his nappy. And I imagine this little boy hiding behind the couch. Like if they're with it enough to go hide behind the couch, the sofa, sorry, I'm gonna use British terms, <laughs> then they can go. And I just, I don't, I've said, and I don't know how, how what kind of colorful language you allow on this podcast. Whatever. Friends don't let friends shit themselves at brunch. No, no. And my children are my friends. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if, if you and I were out to brunch, Claire and Bex, and one of you shot yourselves. I wouldn't humiliate you, shame you, embarrass you. You know what I mean? But it would, it would be an inconvenience. Yeah. But actually, yeah. if you think about it, when, if you get, you know, if you're unwell and you have to maybe go to hospital or you think about the elderly and yeah. things like that, it's about dignity, isn't it? It's about respect <gasps> yeah, and everything else. And so if someone's in hospital, Nine times out of ten, the one thing they still want to be able to do is get to the toilet, to go to the yeah. toilet. The minute yeah. someone says, we'll bring you a bedpan or we'll give you a commode or whatever, or a catheter and things like that, that dignity side of things, toileting is a very personal, private thing. And I think if we don't have the respect for it with our children but we expect it for adults. It's always the way. I always talk about, if we have the, always look at it in the same way that we look at adults. If, would we make an adult pee in the middle of a room? Yeah. No, we wouldn't. We would. No. We've got toilets. We've got doors that shut. We've got all those things. But why is it different for children? Why is it okay for them to just have to kind of go wherever and have that dignity and that respect change and then suddenly as adults when potentially yeah. we you know i think it's go. been justified by this pseudoscience that i've come across that says that they can't mm -hmm. so the argument against early potty training or elimination communication whatever you call it is people say they can't their muscles aren't developed their hormones aren't there they can't so to expect them to do so is unfair and causes stress and will lead to a regression and will cause bladder problems down the road. They can't. 
And I don't know how to respond to that. I mean, I don't know why that, uh, oh no, I don't want to use the term. I don't want to bring back the term misinformation or disinformation, the old 2020 buzzword. (laughs) But I don't know where that comes from because certainly my children can. And it is about dignity for me and autonomy. And when Violet was very small and I started going back to work, I thought, I just wouldn't want a stranger having that kind of access to her. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, you know, me being, uh, you know, hyper anxious about stranger danger or whatever else. I just didn't want that. I thought, I'm just going to try to offer her the potty as soon as I can. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And there are no expectations, but just make it available. So did Violet and do Fred and Fenner go to nursery or... Violet did not go to nursery ever. Um, She and I were very lucky because I had a sales office job where I worked nine to five in central London, which really turned into like seven to seven somehow. And I was still running out of money at the end of every month. And then I took maternity leave to have Violet and I looked at nurseries and I thought, well, they cost more than what I'm earning. So I better just try harder at stand-up comedy and become a comedian. And luckily that worked out for me. Uh, So that's my story there. And I got to have Violet with me a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while when I had a gig or a daytime meeting for television that I wasn't able to bring her to, and I brought her to a lot, it was really, really unacceptable, Um, (laughs) frowned upon. But, you know, uh, she had a local childminder, just a lady in the neighborhood. And I briefed the lady on like, Violet uses Mm. the potty. And she would keep a nappy on with the childminder just in case, especially because in Crouch End, we were out all the time. There were things to do. And it was the winter around that time, by the was about mm-hmm. seven or eight months. But then at home, after naps, and when you got in from an outing, and before lunch and after lunch, she would be offered the potty. And the childminder was blown away that Violet was using the potty. I was like, just oh wondering gosh, if... she really like, does use the potty. Yeah. If for childcare, it probably is quite mind-blowing, like... To have a child that comes so young, um, yeah. potty training, and I just wondered if you've had to choose your childcare very carefully because of that. Because if someone comes in with a very strong view of, well, no, they can't potty train at that age, and all of those sorts of things, it's not going to work for you or. For I mean, you. no one with a view like that would be welcome in my household. No, ever. I would be like, <laughs> well, first of all, I would swiftly prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think that child minders that I've experienced are very amenable and, you know, they're all so good and they want to do, they want to fit into the routine of the family. Mm-hmm. No one has ever argued with me about it now. Um, Fred and Fenna have a wonderful nanny called Miriam, who's with us pretty much nine to five, uh, Monday to Friday. And Miriam is originally from the Philippines. And I think culturally children are out of nappies way earlier mm-hmm. there as well. And she mm-hmm. potty trained her daughter's very young and she was totally, I mean, I, she was in the house when Fena was born in the house. <laughs> so she met Fena really before anyone else. Oh. And she was here when I was potty training Fena from day dot. She never argued with me. I think, I think she loves the smugness of it too. She's at a music class right now with Fena and Fred and she's got a one-year-old with no nappy on. So, I mean, everybody <laughs> loves it. <laughs> Just 
flaunt it. Can I just ask one question before we finish? Yeah. Because you talked about, um, obviously, when they've got the core strength, they can go and sit on the potty themselves and get themselves up from the potty and what have you. But when yeah. they're tiny, so when they're like, I don't know how young you would start to do it, would you just hold them over the toilet or the or what would you do? How would you do it? What, kind of like... Yeah. So when they're very small and they don't even sit up or roll over... I could tell when they needed to poo and I would just take the nappy off. So they would be laying down on their blanket or play mat and I would have the nappy in a catching position, I suppose. So still under their bum and under their back, but I would just be catching only poos at the start. I wouldn't even attempt wheeze at that age. And then when they start solid foods, so my children started solid foods and we're still breastfed, but maybe four months, that's when the poos really become... Uh, substantial let's say like uh, they have a bit more form that is when I would usually transition from laying down to sitting them up and you know what I mean they're less scrunched up they're less newborn though there are some people who sit them over the putty right from newborn I would then hold them um, under their arms just sat on the potty and read them a story or sing them a song Fena wasn't interested in books strangely until about 10 months so I would sing her songs and do little incy wincy spider actions and just get her attention so that she would sit there and she loved just looking at me and smiling and she would reliably poo if she needed to poo or pee or or maybe she wouldn't and then fine we'd get off and then by about six months they can sit on the potty unaided and now Fena asks with sign language or with words she'll say sort of her variation of poo poo if she needs to go at an odd time but she doesn't even wait to, uh, I mean, she doesn't often even have to ask because we have a routine where the potty is offered several times a day. And the other day she came out of the loo holding what was really for a small girl, a giant potty walked over to me with the potty in her arms. And so, you know, they're just really, there are loads of ways to do it. There are loads of um, ways to skin a cat, I suppose. Every family is going to be different. But for me, the key is consistency, routine, never punishing them, learning their cues. And again, I don't really understand. And and I know that childcare workers in a nursery certainly are undervalued, underpaid. I think they do incredible work. They're so patient Mm -hmm. and kind and knowledgeable, Mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to criticize them. But I know how much time it takes to change a nappy, how much waste and how much effort. And then you've got to wash your hands. I don't really understand why a nursery could not introduce different times of day as an activity where everyone over the age of six months sat for a bit on the potty and was read a story and then had their trousers pulled back up. I feel like it's doable. Maybe that's me being naive. Do you think that could ever happen? Claire's yeah. probably, yeah. Yeah, I do think it could happen. It obviously depends on the size of the nursery, but ultimately when you get to the kind of the two-year-old age group, which everyone seems to kind of very much focus on being the potty training age, um you would have all the potties there and you would probably do that kind of okay everyone have a go sit on the potty whilst you're doing the nappy changing so it's just shifting that earlier yeah ultimately and just having it as a part of the nappy changing process but the potties are there and you just pop them on there and try it and see and i think as as well not underestimating children is another thing isn't it i suppose just in general i think like you said you think in their you think in their language kind of thing how would i feel you know what could i do Mm. what can they do and i think that's kind of across the board just not potty training it's about kind of trusting them a little bit more 
It is. And every child's different. Like I said, if they're kicking off and they really don't want to sit there, then try again in a few yeah. days or a week. They're, they don't want to do it. But I feel like what baby doesn't want to sit and be read a story or sung a song? And they kind of naturally, after their nap anyway, will just go. And I don't know where it comes from. I don't want to say like big nappy is uh, tricking us all to think that we have to be <laughs> uh, in their pockets forever. I don't yeah. know what it comes. I, I mean, I think a lot of it is, uh, I've seen statistics anyway, that when women and mothers joined the workforce, that potty training was just delayed. And that's totally, totally understandable. But someone's looking at your kid 24 hours a day. I mean, an infant does require someone to be looking at it all the time. (laughs) So if we were more united, if we made space for it, if we had more conversations like this and they weren't conversations that were shameful or, um, you know, scolding anyone for doing it wrong, if it was just offered, you know, a health visitor will come and see you and say to so many people who've written to me, no, you can't potty train him before then. And no, you can't breastfeed anymore because this is wrong. And no, and they seem to be, again, a wonderful community. I love a health visitor. But I think that it's about offering options and saying, yeah, oh, I have heard it. But some people do it this way and some people do it that way. And you can do it however you like. You know, we've gotten there with a birth plan. We've mm-hmm. said, you you are in charge of your body. You could do it this way. You might have a C-section. You might not plan for this. You could do it in the water. You could... We're more open like that. I think we need to be that way mm-hmm. every step of the way and also be prepared as a parent to evolve and change your mind. Like co-sleeping, listen, I'm doing it. Do I think it's perfect? No, I don't. There were all these articles a few weeks ago about how my husband and I have sex twice a month. It got picked up by every tabloid is interested in how often we're having sex. Just the other day, there was an expert from a website called illicitencounters.com. I wonder what her agenda is. And she said (laughs) that what I'm doing is going to lead to an affair. Wow. So, I mean, I don't know who I'm going to bang. The choice is limitless. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to get cracking on that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Catherine, it's been brilliant. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, and I just think we've we've all got a lot to learn from you, especially in terms of kind of the instinctive parenting. Um, but we just look forward to watching you and watching the programme. I'm going to definitely tune into that. So yeah. That's so Thanks nice so of much. you. And thank you for helping me out, finding my nanny, by the way. She came from you. Oh, Aww. do you know what? It's and been a pleasure. we love her. Oh, bless you. Aww. I'm sure she Thanks. loves you guys too. Absolutely. No. No, she hates you. <laughs> She's all right. I think she, she likes my you. husband. She tolerates me. I think there can only be one matriarch. Yeah. I've, I've hired an, a lovely, strong woman. And so, oh. you know, she's she's better than me. But I'm trying to win her over. <laughs> Maybe that's who I'll have my affair with. Hey. Ooh, like Jude that's Law. Been, that's when you're going to hit the tabloids again. But, you know. This is what we needed, a soundbite for our podcast. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you, ladies. See you soon. That's everything for today. Thanks for listening. If there's something you'd like us to talk about, we'd love you to get in touch and let us know. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bespoke Family or head to our website. The links are in our show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode. And please give us a rating or review if you like what you hear. We're Bex and Claire, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Newborn to Team and everything in between. See you then.